Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. How many things will we not do have we had sought the Lord? How many things has God kept you from because you prayed? Anybody ever been kept from doing something dumb because you prayed? Many times in my life that I was pretty sure this was the direction of action to take. And then I pray and God go all upside my head, backwards and forwards, like, man, what? no, 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 and no, you know? And I realized over time that my knee-jerk responses are not really, they're not that godly, you know? Like, my initial thought is not normally what God wants after I pray. So that teaches me that I gotta slow down. We always have an impulse to choose on our own without even asking God for advice. Every decision we make on our own always turns out badly for our lives. But have you ever thought about asking for and acting upon God's guidance? Pastor Bill explains today how you can start trusting God. Your Creator knows what's best for your life. He already has a well-thought-out plan in place. Even though His ideas appear hazy at first, they will all make sense in the end. All you need to do is put your trust in God. What could you do that's gonna make you step out in faith? You gotta use faith to do it. There's a lot of things we can do in the natural, but what do I need faith? I I need faith to step out and do something, do certain things. And so I love that Jonathan said that. He said, man, it may be that the Lord will work for us. And he says, faith in God. Nothing restrains us from going of the Lord from saving rather by many or by few. This is just like, uh, if you guys remember King Asa, his prayer, um, when he prayed, when, when the Ethiopians came out against him and he said, Lord, you could save whether it's many or whether it's for many or few. Um, you know, his, his, his faith in God was great. And when he prayed, that's what he said. He said, God, it's nothing for you to help rather with many or with few. And uh, if you're taking notes, um, this is in First Chronicles chapter 14, verse 11. Asa cried out to the Lord God, said, it is nothing for you to help rather with many or with those who have no power Help us, O Lord. We rest in your name and the Lord. Oh, Second Chronicles, chapter 14, verse 11. God bless you, sis. Thank you. Um, Second Chronicles 14, 11. So, um, you know, God is able to move mountains. God is able to do what we can't do. And he's not limited like we are. So look at now verse 7 through 14. So as armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then. Here I am with you according to your heart. I love that his armor bearer was like, bro, I'm rocking with you, you know, because he could have been a chump. He could have been a scaredy cat. He could have been like, uh-huh, well, it's just two of us, man. What are we going to do? <laughs> but he wasn't, you know, he, he uh, maybe he was, maybe Jonathan had well picked an armor bearer that was about that life like he was. But he was like, bro, do all this in your heart. I'm with you, right? Verse uh, eight, then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. Now, he kind of creates a, he's trying to discern God's will, so he creates a scenario. They don't have the Holy Spirit like we do, so they were trying to figure out God's will, and they use different means. He said, look, this is how we'll know if God is in it. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we'll stay in our place and not go up to them. Right? If they tell you to stay put, he says, oh, when the God's not in it, we're not going to go. Verse 10, but if they say thus, come up to us. Then we will go up for the Lord has delivered them into our hands and this will be a sign to us. Now, I'm telling you all this. That's not how we pray today. Um, don't don't revert back. Don't go and say, God, yeah, I'm at the bank today. And uh, 
if I go in and, and all the money comes out, I know you're going to replenish it tomorrow. Uh, you know, <laughs> don't do that. You, you, you'll be in trouble. You'll be overdrawn and your bills won't get paid. Um, they were in a different era, in a different way they related to the Lord. You and I have the Holy Spirit. We have the they didn't have the Bible as being written. We have the entire word of God. I just want you to be clear that, that this was this God honored this for them. But don't you go try this, right? This is not, don't, do, don't you go making up stuff and saying that now I, this how I, know it's, I know it's God's will. But it was okay for them, right? So this is the scenario that they set up, verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. So they show themselves. Now they're out there. They, they've shown up to the Philistines' garrison, the camp of the Philistines, and they're like, what's up, y'all? We here. And this is what they say. This is what the Philistines say when they saw them. They said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Isn't that sad? They said, man, you guys are punks. You guys have been hiding in holes and caves. Remember with, with Saul, they were all scared. They was hiding in thickets and bushes and holes and caves. They were, everywhere they could fit, they was hiding. And now the Philistines are looking at them. Look at them. Ha! They coming out of their holes. You know, they're laughing at these guys. Verse 12, not for long. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you something. So they called him, come on up here. We're going to show you something. And, and Jonathan said, ha ha, that's how we know God is with us. So they got to climb up to where these guys are at. And I want you just to know in the sense of war, physical war, you don't want to be on low ground. You don't want to be climbing up to fight the guy that's over you. You're already in a defeated position. Um, but I just want you to know what, a, what faith Jonathan is. I think he's a G. I think Jonathan's a G. And he's like, look, I'm going to climb on up there. He got his armor bear right on his heels, bro. We got this. So it says in verse, um, the last part of verse 12, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me. So, you know, I'm going up first. You come behind me for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. Note this. Jonathan didn't say that God delivered him into my hands. It's not my battle. I represent God, the God of Israel. These are the enemies of the God of Israel. The reason I'm going to have victory is because God is going to go before me. Not because I'm a big deal, not because I'm a tough guy. That is very important. This is not about Jonathan, but Jonathan makes himself available to God. and He becomes a tool in God's hands. Verse 13. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. That means he killed him. And as he came and as he came after him, the armor, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men within a half acre of land. So Jonathan and his armor bearer, about a half acre of land, they killed 20 of the Philistines. And a bunch of the guys that they didn't kill ran away scared. Uh, just two of them, right? It says in verse 15, and there was trembling in the camp, in the field. This is in the Philistine camp now. And all among the people, the garrison and the raiders also trembled. And God said, I'm going to throw something in for you. I'm gonna, it says, and the earth quaked so that it was a very great trembling. So Jonathan's arm bear go up. They kill, they kill 20 guys. Everybody else is running around terrified and trembling. The raiders, the guys that was raiding the Israel and taking all their stuff, they're trembling. And God said, just, just to throw a little X, just to let you know it was me with you, bro. He shook the earth, threw an earthquake in there. I mean, can you imagine if you're a Philistine and Israel is getting you and you know about the God of Israel. Now the earth is quaking. One of those things that you have no power over. The earth is just moving and swaying and you can't do nothing. They scared to death. The fear of God is on them right now. And again, how many guys stepped out to do this? Two guys. 
One guy with the faith, another guy to roll with him. And look at what God does. Look at what God does through a, a couple of guys that were willing to believe him and trust him. And um, I'm convinced that God is able to do a lot with a little. God is going to do more with Jonathan and his armor bearer than he does with Saul, his 600 soldiers and his priest. Again, I mean, when you look at it, you know, Saul, 600 soldiers, a priest sitting under the, the pomegranate tree and Jonathan and his armor bearer and some faith. They get out there and have a, a, an amazing victory for Israel. And so God doesn't need a lot of people, a lot of money, a lot of stuff, a lot of whatever. He can do a lot with just a little bit if we have faith. And I want to encourage you guys again. What is it that God, because sometimes we, we look at what God could do through us and we, we base it on ourselves. You know, we look at what we think we could manage, what we can do. And I want you to not do that. We want to look not at ourselves. We want to look at the Lord. I know I can't do a whole lot, but God, you could do a lot with a little. There's a lot of testimonies and a lot of track record where God did a lot through somebody who believed big. We have reason to believe big. We have a big God. And so, again, I, I would love, I wish I could send everybody from church on some kind of mission. Just commit to do something great for God. Just take a step. Do something radical. Pray about something. Figure out something that, that's on your heart to do. God stir up in you. Go attempt something great for God and see what he does. It might blow you away what God will do as you attempt great things, not for yourself, but for him. Uh, make sure that that's important. Make sure that whatever you attempt is for him. And um, see what he does. Uh, again, this is an example here. But this isn't God didn't put this in the Bible for us to just read and be like, wow, Jonathan was cool. These things are written for our admonition, for our learning. Uh, we're learning about God. We're always learning about God. when We study the Bible. Yeah, we learn about Saul. We learn about. But we're learning what God likes, what God doesn't like. What God blesses, what God doesn't bless. God blesses Jonathan's faith and Jonathan's willingness to trust him to do what God already wanted to do. Um, and so we want to I want to take those lessons and let them impact what I do, how I think and how I live. And so, again, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed 20 men over a, a half acre of land and brought about a great victory for Israel. Look at verse 15 now. It says, and there was trembling in the camp, in the field and among the people, the garrison, the raiders also trembled and the earth quaked so that it was a very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked and there was a multitude melting away and they went here and there. So Saul, who was chilling, he had a watchman looking out. Saul's watchman said, hey, what's going on down there? And he sees was he sees a stir and he sees the, the Philistines melting away and being scared. And so verse 17, then Saul said to the people who were with him, now call roll and see who has gone from us. And when they called roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God here. For at that time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that a noise which was in the camp of Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. I want you all to catch this. Saul was getting ready to seek God. Finally. Right. He hears all the noise. He said, hey, who, who's missing? It took Rose, Saul, Jonathan, his arm bearer missing. He says, bring the priest over here. And he's getting ready to seek the Lord. When, when it says withdraw your hand, the priest's hand was in the urn and the thumb. I'm trying to get direction. And he's getting ready to seek God finally. And then he hears the noise of the enemies and says, stop that. Withdraw your hand and we'll seek God some other time. 
I want you to catch that. Um, that's even though, right, God is going to work some things out despite, I want you to catch that, that he was distracted from seeking the Lord by the noise that he heard over the way. Don't let anything distract you from hearing from God. Because Saul was going to do something incredibly stupid in just a little while. And I wondered if he had went ahead and finished seeking the Lord and got some direction, if it would have kept him from the foolish thing that he's about ready to do. And that's the same for all of us. You know, how many things would we not do have we had sought the Lord? How many things has God kept you from because you prayed? Anybody ever been kept from doing something dumb because you prayed? Many times in my life that I was pretty sure this was the direction of action to take. And then I pray and God go all upside my head backwards and forwards. I mean, no, 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 no. And no, you know, and I realized over time that my knee jerk responses are not really not that godly. You know, like my initial thought is not normally what God wants after I pray. So that teaches me that I got to slow down. I shouldn't make decisions rashly. Um, because a lot of times what I find out is my initial response. That's, that's how I felt. And my feelings are strong. And, you know, they, I, 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 you know, we could Christians be spiritualizing their feelings. I felt led. Nah, you just felt <laughs> you just felt like you just felt like doing it, you know. Um, and so he withdrew his hand, didn't finish seeking the Lord. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled and they went to the battle. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor. And there was very great confusion. So Saul doesn't seek the Lord. All him and his 600 men finally go catch up. They jump into the battle that, that's already being won. Right. God's already given victory and um, it's already being won. But they jump in after the fact and, and go get some. Verse 21. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. So these are the Israelites that are defected. These are the ones that are hid and ran. And uh, if you're an Israelite, you should not be chilling in Philistine territory, right? These are defectos. These are those that they punked out so tough. They was like, we'll just stay here if you don't kill us. You know, this is those guys. Now they're like, we're with you, Jonathan. Saul, we're, you know, they now they jumping back into, uh, you know, they, they took courage again as Israel's on the rise. Verse 23, likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle shifted to Beth Avon. So. It's a great day. If you're Israel, is this a great day? God has done a wonderful thing. Um, who instigated this wonderful work of God? Jonathan and his faith. But God has honored it. God has given them victory over their longtime enemies, the Philistines, who have been taking advantage of them, pillaging them, wrecking shop on them. Well, now they're getting some victory. And it probably feels, I mean, victory feels good, right? And I would imagine that for the camp of Israel, some of the guys that had defected and were scared were like, we, now we're back. Yay, Israel. You know, they jump back in. I, I feel like they, they should have to work their way back in, but it's OK. This is a good day for everybody. They, they get to just jump right back into the camp of the Philistine and and it's a good day for everybody. So there's some lessons in this for us. You know, everyone wants to fight when the victory is almost won. Right. Everybody wants in now. Uh, when the, the pendulum is turned, the, the, the momentum is on our side. Everybody wants in then. Um, but we need the Jonathans. We need those individuals to make initial contact. We need those people that are willing to jump out when we don't know how it's going to go. The, Jonathan jumped out when it was a question mark. 
Well, I don't know what God's going to do, but I know he wants to beat them. I'm going to see if he'll do it through me. That was Jonathan. Now, God honored Jonathan's faith, and they're moving forward in victory, and, and there's some other guys. Praise God that you got a spiritual leader like Jonathan and some guys who can jump in and take courage afterwards. Um, but, but just know this. That's everybody would do that. Everybody will jump on the winning team, right? But who's the one that's over here riding when we don't know what's going to happen, but I trust God. No matter what, we need those people. Those are the people that are few and far between. And, and this is really a great distinction between Jonathan and Saul. Jonathan was a guy that was willing to just step out there and see what God would do. Saul got involved after the fact, just like everybody. Look, Saul jumped in just when everybody else did, when it was already moving in the right direction. Saul wasn't willing to get up off the pomegranate tree and do anything to get this kicked off. But he's jumping in now and He's getting ready to do something, you know, we wish he hadn't done, you know. Um, and again, I, I really look at Saul and think, man, I wish he had finished seeking the Lord that day. I wonder what God would have told him. I wonder. We'll never know what God would have said if we had sought him. Right. I've thought about this. There have been days where I do my devotions or I do my reading and I get a, I get a word. Not, it's not every day. Right. But there are days where I'm reading and I get a word from the Lord. This is a direct hit. This is. God, this is an exact answer to what I'm praying about. This is this is amazing. I know exactly what to do in this predicament because I believe you spoke to me right through your word. And this is what runs through my mind. What if I hadn't read today? Man, nobody else is telling me this. This I only would I only could have got this from the word of God. I couldn't have got this any other way. And so, man, God, if I wouldn't read your word, I'd be missing out on divine direction and what you want to say to me. I need to be in the word every day. I need to give room every day for the Lord to speak and to meet me and to minister to me. It's so critical because I'm making decisions every day. I'm taking steps and doing things every day. And if I want those to be led by, directed by God, I got to spend time with the Lord, pray and listen and read and seek him. And so Saul doesn't seem to have that as a rhythm of his life. I told you guys we, we haven't really got to David yet, but I see a, a common commonality between Jonathan and David, you know. David has the same kind of spirit Jonathan has, the one that's like, man, let's just go see this. The same thing Jonathan said when he saw these people. He said, man, look at these uncircumcised. Let's go get them. That's exactly what David said when he came down and saw Goliath. He said, man, look at this uncircumcised Philistine talking to us like that. Man, you give me a weapon. You know, let me give I'm going to go see about this. You know, he was appalled that y'all just going to let him do that, you know. He, he just he was like, no, we got we I'll, I'll go. Let me put me. Give me some stuff. And that's who God wrought the victory through at that point. So and I think that's why these two become such intimate friends. Uh, they have a beautiful, amazing uh, friendship in the Lord. Um, two guys with faith in God and passion for the Lord um, who genuinely care for each other. Um, may the Lord put in your path in your life. Friends like that. Fr- faith friends, friends that. You know, we, we had a friendship, but it's, it's built all around Jesus. And we got faith in God. We love each other. We love each other in God. That's it's so important. It's so powerful that we have that in our lives, that we have friends that they love the Lord like we do. And they believe God like we do. And we can talk about the things of God. And it's not weird. You know, they don't think, you know, I got people that if I if I shared all that was in my heart, they would say, bro, that's you overdoing it. You know, you you're doing too much. I've, I've been told that I'm happy. I, I had to learn over time that everybody not every, every, you know, I, I got some friends that, are, that we see it the same way. We both believe God. We can talk the word, not just pastors. Just I got Christian friends that we do, We can talk about the things of the Lord and believe God. But I got some people you start talking like that, like 
bro, take all that. You know, you got the, <laughs> that's, that's a lot. You know, that's, you know they, they don't get it. I need my faith friends. I want those people that I can stand in for them at times and they can stand in for me at times. And so if God has blessed you with friends like that. Man, hold them dear. Be grateful for them. Pray for them. Make sure you cultivate those friendships and keep them close because uh, they're important. And so uh, it, it, Saul will, I mean, Jonathan will be very important to David. And David will be very important to Jonathan. They both get something from each other in their friendship. So it's important that God brought them together the way that he did. So, so moving down. So we, we saw in verses 19 to 23, some of the scaredy cats who had hid out. They came back to join Israel. Uh, we see everybody, you know, wants to fight when, when, when the momentum is moving the right way. Uh, but we, like I said, we need the Jonathans. We need those people that will make the initial confrontations. And it's amazing to see what a faith-filled leader can stir up in the hearts of others as they observe the results of your faith, right? Jonathan, they're, they're, everyone is observing the results of his faith. I bet his armor bearer is, a, is a, you know, we don't get his name right here, but I bet his armor bearer is, is he's going to be impacted by this. He's seeing God move. He's like, bro, that was amazing. Let's do it again. You know, um, you know, th- this is probably great for him, great for everybody else. And you never know that you could be that person as you take steps of faith and you operate that way. There may be your own kids. There may be friends nearby that are watching you and they're like, wow, bro, or sis, you know, that this, I'm, I am stirred up as I watch what God does. There are men that I know. Uh, that I admire and that I look up to. And I, I make sure I, I keep people around me that that I'm looking up to them. And they're guys that I watch the steps of faith and I watch the, the sacrifices, the things that they've done and watch what God has done. And I'm, I'm stirred. I'm encouraged. I'm the, their, their story. Their, I know them. Right. There's living people that I, I have relationship with. I'm watching God do amazing things. And it blows me away. I'm going to give you an example. My one of my best friends is uh, he'll, he'll be here to share sometime uh, this year. Um, he's from New- Newark, New Jersey. My buddy Ray Dash, uh, pastor of church in the projects in Newark. We met in 2000. And I'm telling you, we met at a youth workers conference and the Lord just went wham. We became instantly. It was like, bro, we had all these things in common. That was my bro. We were young. 20 something at the time, uh, Mary, we had kids. We were both helping out in youth ministry at the churches we were at. I wanted to do something in Inglewood. He had a heart to do something where he grew up at, Newark. And that's always been our conversation. Well, he got started first. And I remember when he first started, I got to go out there with him. And he had a church in the back of a garage on a street where it was a cracked street where, I mean, literally, if you're standing at the roll up this garage for church, right there was the cracks dealers. They were dealing crack all service, you know, and then they were right there. I mean, it was in the hood. Uh, I mean, but I was blessed to be there with them watching the Lord start the work. Um, I got pictures of us there. It was no heat in the East Coast. It was it was they were bringing in propane inside. I realized now that was not very safe, but we it was doing what you could do. But I watched the Lord bless that. Um, I watched the church grow and move from place to place. He ended up in this, this building that he's in now. And. For years, we were praying because he, he had a full time job that you know, he made good money. He's like, man, I really feel like God wants to let that go and just serve the Lord full time. But, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't, the church will never be able to pay me the church over here. You know, there's, it's in the hood. You know, people are I, I mean, my church, his church is at the projects. So the people don't have very much. The giving is very low. Um, but he took a step of faith. We prayed and prayed and prayed. He's like, bro, I'm, I need to be here. And amazing what God did. Some other church in Arizona heard about what he was doing, called and said, hey, I want to come down with some of my uh, my admin guys and whatever. I want to see what's happening. 
And he'd come. They came out and they just observed the work that was happening and the kids and the people that were being ministered to. And they said, bro, we want you to come home full time. Tell us what you get paid. And they put up something together for him and they put up, they basically brought him home and paid him to be there full time. We know there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word, and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.